0: Good morning, welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Appleton and in Stevens Point this morning and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith, this is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and the life everlasting, amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us, and again, good morning to those in Appleton and Stevens Point. I hope that uh, your uh, worship experience at Celebration Church this morning has been meaningful. Want to give a quick update of our uh, Go Beyond campaign. Let's take a look at our current numbers for our goal of raising 1.2 million dollars, Appleton up to 72,000, Stevens Point. 129,000, Green Bay, obviously the largest campus, or 781,000 total so far now of $983,640, so praise God. We're getting there. Just need to push over that last hump. Uh, also today's Mission Sunday, which means at the end of the service we'll be taking a special offerings just for missions outreaches in our church community. Uh, as you can see, we're well over last year Almost double, yeah, we are double, almost double, I think. Yeah, almost, right there. So, hallelujah, let's triple it. (laughs) So, praise God for all of that. Um, And and a quick word that I don't think uh, too many of you in uh, Stevens Point or Appleton uh, knew Mm -hmm. Matt and Mary Beth Perkins, who served here in Green Bay for many years, and uh, lots of uh, you here at this campus and in this community know him and his wife. Matt was the music director at uh, the former uh, Bayside church that was here. Anyway, his wife, Mary Beth, uh, passed away uh, this last week of cancer. Um, She uh, was discovered with breast cancer about six months ago. And uh, on July 2nd, they were celebrating her final day of chemo, uh, went you know, about a week ago, to the back to the doctor, said she wasn't feeling very good, feeling tired, and before the week was out, she was gone, and uh, really aggressive. I mean, that's fast. Uh, uh, usually, they do real well battling back breast cancer, but to get it and six months later to be gone was was quite a shock to everybody. And uh, anyway, they're having a uh, special service for her. Uh, Matt and Marybeth left here, went to Florida for many years, and then our uh, currently in California. I'll be speaking at that church uh, in the beginning of November, I believe. Uh, But anyway, they uh, are having a special service in California, but they're gonna be uh, uh, simulcasting it. So uh, it's gonna be this Tuesday at two o'clock. And uh, if you'd like to come, Matt just sent me the uh, program uh, for the service that we'll be handing out here. So I don't know how many will come, but whoever would like to come, Tuesday at two o'clock and we will join in with their service as they reflect on the life of Mary Beth Perkins, a great lady, and truly a shock to everybody, very, very sad. Always a reminder, life is temporary. Nobody knows how long. you want to take it right, uh, do it right. Uh, make your priorities right. Nobody's guaranteed. Just about the time you think, oh man, I've got forever, boom, you don't have anything. So, um, and then to uh, talk about that, I was talking to some uh, of uh, the people in our church. We're out hanging out on my boat, actually. And we're talking about different ways to kind of improve church, and they suggested this thing, which I'm about to share with you. And uh, I brought it up to our uh, elders of the church and said, "What do you guys think of uh, doing this?" And what we want to do is have a special Sunday uh, that you know about coming, and maybe do this, you know, once a quarter or something like that. Here's the challenge: Oftentimes, I will hear people say to me, "Look." I've been trying to get my granny to come to this church for five years. And I finally came, and you talked on something that just shocked the willies out of her, you know, like, (laughs) the finer points of circumcision or something, I don't know. She still needs healing to get over it all. Or, uh, oh, I finally had my cousin, oh, I finally got him to come, I'm so excited I got here, and I wanted him to hear you, and, and you weren't here and uh, they were very disappointed by that. So, we thought what we're going to do is we're going to have, again. we're gonna approach this right now as like once a quarter, and our first one's gonna be uh, September 20th, where it is a Sunday to invite people to church, specifically. Number one, I will be here. Number two, I will try not to shock the snot out of everybody. (laughs) All right, and just a very simple salvation message that people can connect with and stuff, and nothing controversial or challenging. In the- <laughs> well, we'll see how far I get, but uh, <laughs> but just it's going to be you know invite a friend to church Sunday now. We will keep reminding you in the next month as we start talking to so you guys at Appleton and Stevens Point as well. Can invite people in your community and come, and have, we'll have a special. Where we just put Celebration Church uh, on display for people and share the very simple gospel message. You know, now we're not going to make a big deal with it. You know, they're not going to come to church on that Sunday and see banners and buy your friends to church Sunday. You know, and make them all freaked out. All right, so it's going to be on the down low. So when they come in, they, all they know is we're just going to be very, very conscious. I guess. We always are very conscious of new people that come in. I think that's very true. That's why our church is growing the way it is. But just enough that you know, okay, this is the Sunday to bring somebody, maybe the first time you've been talking to, you put a little extra pressure on them, just to hear the very simple message and in a way that will be a blessing to them, okay? So we'll remind you about it. It's coming up uh, September 20th, about a month away. No, actually, two months away, what am I talking about? Okay, so, uh, we are continuing our series on Faith 101, which we're asking, well, we're addressing some very simple questions about faith. You know, what about this, what about that? And uh, today, we're gonna continue answering the question, dealing with the question, what is love? Uh, And we quoted from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and uh, see if I can stay more focused in this service. Man, last service it's like I spent an hour with the communion wine or something before I got in here. <laughs> and uh, see if I can actually focus in the second service. It's always good, you always got round two. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the first Corinthians thirteenth chapter is the love chapter, and oftentimes you hear it read at weddings, and they sound like pretty words, and then you kiss the girl, and we all go get something to eat. All right. Uh and nobody's really paying attention. What we're trying to do is delve into it and see what it really means. Let's read this portion of scripture. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And if you miss the first version of this, you really ought to go online and download it. Uh, and hear it because I think there's some really good things. I'll give you a a real mini uh, review of where we're at. When we talk about love is patient, we look at that word patient, which means to bear or endure pain without complaining. (laughs) Oops. A lot of us don't do that well. In fact, this whole message has been very painful, personally, to me. Apparently, I'm not as loving as I should be. So, love is patient. That's the first thing he starts out with. Talks about love is kind which basically just means be nice. Now here's the thing with being nice. We love to be nice as long as no one's irritating us. Right? And then when they tick us off, we feel perfectly justified not to be nice. I don't have to be nice, because we're frozen inside, you know. And then we go all off, you know. We love our neighbor as long as his dog isn't pooping in our yard, right? And then we got dog poop, which I'll try and avoid on September 20th. You know, we get mad and we start yelling at our neighbor, how dare you do that? Well, you know, the Bible says if you're going to walk in love, you need to be nice. As much as you can be nice. I know we all have our issues we got to address and stuff. But even when you're arguing, you can still be nice. Don't be harsh and mean and trying to just stab the life out of somebody else. Uh, It says love uh, does not envy now, envy means to uh, basically be jealous of somebody else's possessions or things, somebody else's husband, wife, whatever. There's all kinds of crazy versions of this. Real love doesn't do that. So I couldn't help it fast that we fell in love. That's not love, all right? Um, it says it does not boast. Now, boast means to proclaim one's superiority in an insolent or overbearing way. You know, I'm smarter than you. I have more education than you. I work harder than you I make more money than you, I come from a better family. Your family, as we all know, is insane. Now, (laughs) somebody say amen. So anyway, the, uh, the thing with this is, these are usually true. Your family is insane, all right? Or maybe one person does work harder than the other. Someone obviously makes more money than the other person. All these things, you say, well, I'm just speaking the truth. See, we use truth in some of these things to justify either being mean or nasty or, in this case, boasting. But that's not love, love doesn't do that. Well, it's true, it doesn't matter if it's true. If it's true, let the truth speak for itself. You sticking it in someone else's face is is harsh. And we can check out from the previous message more about that. And we, then we ended with that love is not proud. Uh, pride means to take one's station or rank uh, and display it in scorn of those we consider beneath us. You know, and there's all kinds of even Christian versions of this. You know, I'm I'm an elder in this church. Y'all. Well, you know, I've read the whole Bible. For those partial readers of you out there, I'm a or I'm a list, or, I'm allowed. <laughs> And uh, and even in marriage, Ah, the Bible says the man's the leader of the house. You can be a jerk even though you're dealing with truth. Somebody say amen. Okay, and real love doesn't do that. All right, so anyway, see the pain that we've experienced so far. Now let's pick up, uh, we're only going to get into two more today (laughs) because I had such a hard time focusing in the first service. But... uh, Let's take a look at the next two. It says, it does not dishonor others. Let's look at the word dishonor. What does it mean to dishonor? It means to treat disrespectfully or to insult someone. Uh, The next one, we'll come back to that in just a minute. It says, it is not self-seeking. What does it mean to seek? It means to bend one's efforts toward. (laughs) If one is self-seeking, one does everything they can to bend things towards themselves. They become selfish and very self-seeking. Now, the Bible tells us that true love does not dishonor, disrespect, or insult, and true love is not self-seeking uh, and obsessed by this. Now, as I got to these two, I couldn't help but immediately think of Paul's admonition to married This applies to everybody whether you're married or not, but specifically he applied them to married people. Now the Bible says very little about marriage. Uh, You know, it's got some warm and fuzzies that it mentions and others of great warning (laughs) because of the grief one is likely to experience. Uh, trying to live selfishly with somebody else, selflessly with somebody else. Uh, And uh, it doesn't say a whole lot. The reason why the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about marriage, they assume that the rules that govern the church apply in the home. And that's certainly what we think. Uh, Because there's, by and large, it's very silent. The same kind of rules. You know, what do you do with someone who's acting really badly in a marriage? You know, well, what would you do if someone's acting really badly in the church? Right? Right? If the pastor is committing adultery and stealing all the money, how does one deal with that? We kick the said pastor out on his keister, all right? Because the hammer falls, just like it should fall in marriage. See, people often, well, the Bible never said, well, it, the rules of the church apply in the home. You know, you can't just run around and do all kinds of crazy destructive things and think that there's not consequences. Is there still love? Of course there's love. But at some point, there's some rules that kick in and consequence. So those things guard and guide marriage as well as, uh, uh, as churches. But the one thing Paul does say, the one thing he tries to say to wives is, wives do not insult and disrespect your husbands, and husbands do not be self-seeking. Uh, what he says is to love your wife like Christ loves the church, which means in a sacrificial way. Jesus loved us in a sacrificial way if your d- demonstration of love is not costing you something, doesn't have to be major, but even in the smallest of ways, then you're not walking in love. Now, it's interesting that Paul did not tell women that they should love their husbands uh, in this way, nor talk to men about treating their wives in the way he told about the wives. Why is that? Because generally speaking, and these are generalities, sometimes people say, oh, you're talking stereotypes. Well, they're just generalities because they're generally true. Men and women tend to view life differently and they follow pretty hard-wired generalities, even from the youngest of ages, I mean, you know. We have six grandchildren, the last two were girls. Uh, We're really enjoying them, but but they're different. The boys, they, they, they destroy things and love every second of it. The girls like to make things and they make things and make them all look pretty and stuff and then the boys come and destroy what the girls did. It's a cycle, basically. Uh, And from the get-go, and they certainly respond to things differently, Uh, and this goes all the way through adulthood and well into life. Uh, And uh, here's uh, these two things that are generalities uh, when it comes to men and women. Number one, men tend to be very self-seeking. Now, it's going to sound weird, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, and it's not necessarily an evil thing, and God never approached it necessarily as an evil. It can become evil if you don't check it, but to expect a man to turn into this altruistic, nice ooey gooey giving man generally will not happen, okay? Women like to give, they love to give. And the women all get together and how can we give some more? Ah. and they walk into a dirty room and they go, oh, let's clean this place up and let's make everything right. And the guys walk in the dirty room and let's go into another room. You know, we, we just, <laughs> you, know, you know, wait for the girls to show up. <laughs> they will clean it, we don't even gotta say anything. Why, did we, why didn't you guys clean it up? We knew y'all were coming, we didn't have to say nothing. Uh, you know, and, and, it, and it is what it is. It, it doesn't make men evil. It just makes us men. And God has always acknowledged that and dealt with mankind, uh, generally acknowledging these propensities. Uh, men do things generally for two reasons. One, either to get something, to gain something, or they do it out of fear of loss of something. Okay, most men, as much as they love their careers and their jobs, generally do it to either gain financially, or in other ways, whatever, or to fear of loss. They go because they don't want to get fired. (laughs) That's what will motivate most men tomorrow morning to get out of bed. All right, fear of loss. And, And that's fine. And God has always dealt with people like, now I know Preachers who actually preach against this and say that this is evil and this is bad and you need to break this cycle in your children and you should never reward your children. Just tell them what to do right or wrong and there should never be a reward system in place. The problem is, as nice and altruistic and supposedly some degree of sense that might work, it's not biblical. From the beginning, God told people, particularly men, If you will do the right thing, I will bless you. And then he would go through and he would tell the reward for doing the right thing. And they were really overwhelmingly positive, amazing rewards. And then he said, if you do the wrong thing, I will kick your butt. And he described some of the butt kicking. And it's really rather stark (laughs) and and frightening. Uh, In fact, the whole of the Old Testament is a demonstration of this watching the nation of Israel as they did the right thing and how God would bless them above all other nations and they would shine. And then what would happen when they rebelled against God and he would hammer them. So that was always at play. So well, well that was the Old Testament. And then Jesus came and he erased all that, and he did not. He still would talk of blessings, rewards, and warnings as he spoke to men. Uh, When Jesus talked about money, he didn't just say, you need to give. And then, that wasn't the end of the conversation. Uh, Now, you would think, well, that's all he's got, right? He can do whatever he wants. Just give, you need to give, end of story. That's not what he said. He says, you need to give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will the blessings of God be poured into your lap. Big promise, right? You want to talk about promise? of reward, heaven, right? How many times did he say do this to lay up treasures in heaven? Great will your reward be in heaven if you do this, that, and the other. And then of course, on the other side of that, hell is not an exciting thought. So there's this, always been this thing of reward or loss that has been present in the life in how God has always dealt with people. And particularly men are wired in that way. And it's fine, most men do things to win or to avoid loss. Now, women, in dealing with men, generally will succeed, the ones who succeed really well know how to tap into that. And know how to use things to encourage, reward, or cost. (laughs) Women have special, Advantages that they can use to motivate men in many, many ways. And uh, these are great things. Oh, that's just manipulating. No, that's motivating. And that's a whole different ball game. If when I talk about this, you think manipulation, you're in a bad place. Healthy women immediately get it, yes, motivating. I know how to motivate my man. One way or the other, you know what I'm saying? And get the message clear. And that's fine, that's not evil, all right? What becomes bad is when men just live there, as Christian men, and never demonstrate love in a sacrificial way that costs them. Uh, And I'm not talking, you know, necessarily money or anything like that, just your own time and stuff. Uh, For example, a loving gesture would be, hey, I got off this weekend, it's good, some of the guys wanna go golfing, I wanna go golf. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, and you can certainly go do that. Uh, but a very sacrificial thing would be to say to your wife, you know, I know those guys said I can go golfing and stuff, and I'm gonna pass, and I'm gonna stay and help you with such and such, or let's go spend time together. That speaks volumes to a woman. Wow, you really care. Now, the good news, guys, I know guys freak when I talk about that, but you don't have to do this all the time. There's plenty of times you can go do whatever the heck you want to do. It's just that you need to, at times, really, demonstrate to your wife that above everything else I still choose you now men are great at this during the dating process yeah yeah, y'all remember that (laughs) distant memory right Uh, and then terrible you know they stand at the altar and when they say I do they think it means I'm done and they move on (laughs) and And then they do everything they want to do and all their own interests and all their own hobbies and sports and video games and everything else they want to do and they ignore their wives almost entirely. Uh, And you keep doing that, you're going to get in some serious trouble, all right? You can't just go fishing every chance you get and ignore your wife or whatever else that you do. That doesn't mean you can't ever go fishing. It doesn't even say you can't go most of the time fishing. But at times you need to stop and give back sacrificially, it's a challenge. Why did Paul say men need to do this? Because men have a tendency not to do it, right? So that's the challenge to the men. Stop and, 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 and sacrifice, and again, the good news is you don't have to do this all the time. Women are not these weak, needy pod creatures from another planet. Actually, they, they are pod creatures from another planet, but, but, but they're not weak and needy, and they don't just slobbering over them 24-7, but you go days, weeks, months, and everything is always more important than her. You'll get in trouble. I must confess my sin. I do this quite frequently to the redhead because I got so many things in my life, and she's just got to jerk my chain from time to time. <laughs> Hello. And I got okay, stop and what I could do or think I have the right to do, I need to turn away from and just say, I need to invest in her because my tendency, as many men, is just to do whatever we can, just whatever we want to do, when we want to do it. And we just need to be conscious and aware of that. Hey, guys, love is not self-seeking. Love, real love, true love, is not bending everything to your advantage if everything you do is always somehow that you can win, you're not walking in love. Uh, again, not to say that you need to turn into something that you're not, I understand that. But you need to be careful, you gotta check it. You gotta check it, you gotta call in and check and challenge yourself. Now, in all fairness, the same way, the opposite is true of many, many women when it talks about being disrespectful or critical. Now, the reality is, A lot of that is fine, and quite frankly, it's necessary. Now, men don't like it, but we need it. Okay? God made Adam, put him in a garden, and it didn't take long before God looked down and went, This is a bad idea. (laughs) He's going in circles. What is he doing? You know, the boy needs some help. So, God made a wife for him to help hell now the way we often help is to point out one's shortcomings i gotta tell you men don't like it but suck it up buttercup you need to hear it from time to time okay women have a positive impact on men there's this great book the studies on this have been overwhelming i mean You can take the same man, two men, same culture, same race, same education, same side of the tracks, everything, and whatever picture of those two men that you get, the studies prove overwhelmingly that married men always perform better than single men. Married men are happier, they are healthier, they make more money. The same two guys, same thing, a married guy usually always outperforms and makes more money than the single guy. Uh, Literally, married men live longer, than single men. Statistically speaking, they say one of the most dangerous things a man can do is remain single. It's the equivalent of smoking two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. (laughs) I guess the worst is a single guy who smokes two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. But these are, so women do improve men. They call it, in the studies, The nag factor. (laughs) I know it sounds terrible, but they didn't know what else to call it. It's just that thing, don't do that. Stop that. Don't stand on top of your motorcycle at 80 miles an hour. Waving hallelujah, all right? All right, men would have a tendency to do. What happens when we do that? Uh, And we get crushed and killed doing some of the crazy things. Women have a tendency to point out. Don't do that. Make sure you do this, you know. Most men only go to a doctor after their wives have needled them incessantly to go to the doctor, okay? Uh, so it's good, it's healthy to have that thing. Again, men don't like it. Men and women approach marriage very differently. A man on his wedding day looks at his wife, you know what he's thinking? I hope you never change. That's the thing. You're perfect, you're, I hope you I love you just the way you are, all right? That whole thing, all right? You know what a woman's thinking? I love you, you're great but you need some work, all right? (laughs) And and I got to tell you, guys don't like it, because he's not trying to change her. If anything, he hopes she never changes. You're talking two fundamental differences here. She, on the other hand, realizes he has great potential, huge potential. It means it ain't there yet. And women who successfully do this help men to succeed. They begin to unlock their potential, it is what it is. Now, just as men can overstep that and become self-centered, narcissistic little snots, women can cross the line and become very harsh and negative and destructive and tearing. That's why Paul told them, don't do that. Why, because they have a tendency to do that. Why did Paul say, don't don't be such a self-centered, narcissistic snot to the men, because they tend to be that way. And we just need to remind ourselves of these things. And focus on your own business. Uh, you shouldn't go around quoting to your wife that she shouldn't do this or that, that. And she shouldn't be quoting to him, well, the Bible says you're supposed to do this. You know, that's not why the Bible was written, so you can beat the snot out of each other. All right? Focus on your own issue. Read your own mail and do what you need to do. Bottom line love does not dishonor and disrespect, and love is not self-seeking, always bending everything to itself. Okay, and just, you know, it is what it is. A lot of us got a long way to go. The truth is, and this is painful, It just, it's just painful. If you go to most married women and ask them, who is the single most self-centered man you know? And overwhelmingly, the answer will be my husband. Conversely, you go to most, even Christian men, and say, who is the one person in your life who treats you with more disrespect than anybody else? And overwhelmingly, the answer will be, my wife. What does that say? It means we got a long way to go. And listen, if we're going to be the kind of church that we need to be, that God is really blessing and moving, that needs to change. Those answers should not come easily. Who is the most selfish, Self-absorbed man, you know, most women should have to stop and think, who would that be? And when a man is asked, who's the most disrespectful person in your life, you should stop and think, I don't know, is that my, my, my boss, my, my dad, you know? It, it shouldn't be so quick, it's my husband and it's my wife. Sadly it is, but it's just because of who we are. We need to grow in this area. Again, as I've been reading this, this whole process has been extremely painful <laughs> to me personally because I see myself falling short. That's the beauty of reading the Bible. Remember, we say the Bible is the standard. Without a standard, you don't know what this is supposed to be. You don't know what anything is supposed to be. When you come and you compare your life to the standard, whoa, because the short of this, we think we're okay. We think, oh yeah, I'm fabulous. No problem here, nothing to see here, move on. Until you compare yourself to the Bible, you go, ow! Ah, but remember, it's a good thing. It's the mirror. You want to look in the mirror so you can see where you're lacking. <laughs> Thank God for mirrors. It helps us all get to where we're supposed to be. All right, so that's just these two. Now we've got several more to do. We will pick this up on next Sunday and try and get through the rest of this. The rest of them aren't that much easier, to be honest with you, but this is a good exercise to take a look. What is love really? And then when we're done, because clearly as we're looking to the standard, we can see how we all fall short, how do we fix it? And that's what I'll talk about when we get to the end, all right? But that's enough for today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, you loved us in such an incredible way. We need to love each other, husbands and wives, children, friends, pastors, I mean, all this stuff. We just need to love people. Uh, because that's really when the power of God gets loosed and the impact that we can have. In fact, Lord, you said that this is how the world will know that you are my disciples when you love each other, because it's in that demonstration of love, this supernatural love, that it's a major statement, because by and large, we live in a world that is lacking greatly in love. Help us to grow, help us to understand so that we can be the kind of people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Go love people today. Amen. Amen.